You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 536, the ongoing woe of advent calendars, three new albums reviewed, and Adele in Vegas. Is this the non-touring future? That's all coming up after Super Furry Animals and the gift that keeps giving. Christmas. One, <laughs> it's like Father Christmas is in the room. <laughs> one of the great Christmas singles that largely goes unnoticed. Mm. It, it was given away as a free download on uh, Christmas Day 2007. A, a piece of delicious Beach Boys meets Burt Bacharach at Christmas. Super furry animals and the gift that keeps giving. And indeed, I feel they are the gift that keeps on giving yeah. the super animals. Although, bless them, giving your track away on Christmas Day is a really kind gesture. But also, who is going to be concentrating on Christmas Day? And I, I feel that tactically wasn't ideal. But no, bless them. That is a lovely, lovely tune. And as you say, so underrated. I love their their sort of West Coast pop that they managed to yeah. produce, despite the fact they come from Wales. That's very enjoyable. Thanks for joining us for Parish Council episode 536. I'm Terence Stackham and I know it's the question everyone has been asking. Has she been to any Downing Street parties? Let's ask Juliet Harris. I mean, to be honest, I, I, you know, words fail me on this week, Terence. I could give you some witty bonbons. I just don't think I've got any words about about their. Oh, for goodness sake, about those cretins. Anyway, I, I have not been hosting any parties in my house this week, despite not being able to go out. Obviously, it was tempting to have everybody round for cheese and wine, but I decided that I would, I would, you know, I would sit it out. And you know, do I really want to spend a, a an evening in a room with those people anyway, Sati? Probably not. Hi, everyone. You mentioned last week that you'd come to uh, to covid and yet you seem to have survived right. it you know so, I, I, so I, easily I, exactly i mean I, and this is not a this is not an endorsement this is not one of these <laughs> one of these people going oh well i had it really easily why is everyone yeah. making such a fuss honestly we should be able to go out and breathe in anyone's yeah. face now this is not me doing that i was very fortunate that because i've been i suspect because i've been double jabbed mm. i just had it very mildly and didn't pass it on to my triple jabbed parents who were fine i've mm. had a couple of headaches but then i get those anyway so so yeah 
yeah, I'd, I'd seem to, I'd, I feel very bemused about the proceedings. But anyway, delighted to be back once again uh, yeah. with my coffee. I'm actually enclosed this week. So who well, knows, maybe it's, done, maybe it's done me the power of good. Yes. Um, well, for me, the Christmas season only truly mm. begins when the first reports emerge of winter wonderland uh, scams. <laughs> yes. uh, each year, the British public are duped into paying 100 quid to hustle their children through a mud-spattered piece of scrubland to see some broken Christmas lights and a, <laughs> and a greyhound wearing fake antlers. Yes, I always enjoyed dogs dressed up as reindeer. <laughs> That's the greatest thing, I think. My favourite last year was was what the BBC described as a, a creepy drive-through grotto near Norwich. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's largely where I spent my university years, both the city oh, and the contact, yeah. The BBC reported complaints about traffic chaos, creepy performers who scared children and Poundland <laughs> gifts. One visitor, <laughs> one visitor was quoted, grumpy children, disappointed adults, we're down 110 pounds. And Mrs Purdy from Norfolk said, yeah. and I quote, it was rubbish. The Scrooge character called us all mutants. He told <laughs> us <laughs> he told us Santa had crashed his sleigh. Um, the presents were in the mud and there was a man in chains by a tree just staring at us. <laughs> I mean, this, uh, I mean, are they sure they went to Winter Wonderland? Did they, didn't, they didn't go to some obscure dungeon somewhere. There's been a similar thing happened this year. This year was in uh, North Allerton Meet Santa events slammed as an embarrassment. Slammed is one of those phrases that you never, it's never used anywhere else, is it? Only, only ever in, in these sort of newspaper type things. And everyone missed Santa arriving because he was on the back of a Land Rover trainer rather than on a sleigh. I mean, you know, why would you still go to these things? As you say, with, with, with you know, as tick follows talk, you, you get these reports every year. And it was, it was entertaining at where these places are as well. There was in places like Maidstone, aren't they? Whenever you yes. say that that, yeah. that that place name now, I I, I instantly think I, I love the fact that North Allerton Council described the um, described the, the place <laughs> as having a, a lively atmosphere. Well, to go back to that phrase that we use now, I think it's mutinous, isn't it? Rather than <laughs> lively, I think that's the word, isn't it? Well, another signal that uh, Christmas is a coming is when we start seeing stories about rogue advent mm. cards. And it's it's a long four years since we discussed the influencer, inverted <laughs> commas, Zoella's catastrophic advent yes. calendar. Surely, surely all companies have learned from that experience, Jules. Well, you'd think, wouldn't you? But guess what? It turns out uh, Zoella is not as influential as perhaps she might like because... Um, we saw this story in the Guardian area this week. Uh, Chanel, you know, posh Chanel, the uh, the, the high fashion label. Um, influencers are presumably not Zoella because she hasn't got a leg to stand on this, but other influencers have mocked Chanel for an underwhelming advent calendar. Chanel has deli- this is this is such a 2021 <laughs> sentence. Chanel has denied deleting its TikTok account after a beauty influencer made fun of the fashion brand's advent calendar on its website. So it's its first ever uh, advent calendar. Chanel number five. I, I mean, it is an iconic fragrance, I think. I think um, even if you have a passing interest in this sort of thing most people know that chanel number no. five is a big do it's a hundred years since chanel number no. five was first produced so they thought they'd produce an advent calendar to market and i can understand that actually um how much do you reckon a chanel advent calendar is Surti? well zoella's was about 50 quid so i'll yeah. maybe double that for uh for okay chanel. So, so so it's 604 pounds for your <laughs> chanel advent calendar i know and it has 27 number boxes so hmm. i don't quite understand what we've done to christmas here but anyway it has or, or december january so we've got 27 number boxes uh, lipstick nail lacquer hand cream and perfume of course um Elise Harmon, a TikTok user, did one of those unboxing videos. And I don't know what it is about unboxing videos that are so compelling, but sometimes they weirdly are. And I have actually seen this and it is hilarious. Um, she, uh, she exclaims, this is a joke when she opens one of the boxes to find some Chanel stickers. <laughs> and I'm done when she finds some temporary tattoos. Why would you not want a, a Chanel temporary tattoo? Anyway, there are other... Probably when so you spent 600 quid on it, I imagine. Right. Is the answer. Um, there's also... Um, well, when, when they say, oh, it's a Chanel advent calendar, 
when you think Chanel, you do think hand cream, perfume, you know, that sort of thing. You might not necessarily oh, yeah. think I think a money clip, a keychain, a badge, a magnet and a plastic snow globe. I mean, this is just um, she, um, she and the, the best thing about this is, is that is that this goes to the power of TikTok as well, which we've kind of we, we've sort of visited at various points during this year. And it just seems to grow and grow. And she she's actually a very engaging presence. She says, I'm feeling optimistic, even though we know how this is going to end she says halfway through <laughs> opening one of the boxes the initial video this is the thing of you know I, this this rather goes against the idea there's no such publicity as bad publicity mm. this video has been seen 14.5 million times wow. this is wow. not the sort of publicity i suspect chanel would have wanted um they claim that all content from Chanel, so 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 they've been accused of just taking their account down. They've said all content, um, someone's claimed that all content from Chanel's TikTok page has been wiped and set to private, with users having to send a request to follow the page. But the brand's told the Guardian, this is this is that bloke from Iraq that was nicknamed Comical Ali that used to <laughs> deny they were being bombed, as you could see stuff exploding in the background, has said this is my denial of the week. I think Downing Street. Could learn something from this just you know they've committed to the bit here when it comes to denying it has never been activated no content has ever been published it has no subscribers and no subscription the page therefore appears empty to anyone who may visit it said the official spokesperson that is really this never ever happened why are you asking me this isn't it um chanel made an official comment where they said we are sorry that this calendar may have disappointed some people the exclusive content of the calendar has always been fully detailed on our website chanel.com as well as the on the packaging of our product 27 boxes oh this is this makes sense 27 boxes numbered from 5 to 31 so you don't even get 27 days worth they've started it at five because it is chanel number five five, um so what they're basically saying, they've described the content as full-size perfume and makeup products, miniatures and souvenirs, all stamped with Gabriel Chanel's lucky number. Um, what they're basically saying is, look, we told you it's not our fault that you're stupid enough to pay that mm. much money. This is essentially what they're saying. Although personally, I think the blame probably lies with them for trying to fleece people for this amount. Um it's just like you say, you, you'd think, wouldn't you, that people would learn by now that by and large, and there are some exceptions which we will go on to talk about, most of these advent calendars are a bit of a sham, really. The uh, the, the Zoella one, someone did that thing where they could buy the contents in Poundland for half mm. the price, didn't they? Mm. It's, um, it's, yeah, I mean, perhaps if you were stupid enough to buy a Chanel advent calendar, you deserve it. Equally, I do think it is deeply, deeply cynical to rip people for this amount of money and then turn around and go our tiktok channel never existed why are you telling me our tiktok channel existed and by the way you could have read on our website to find out you were being fleeced anyway it is extraordinary these advent calendars firstly that potential customers might even think that a company might be so filled yes. with the christmas spirit <laughs> back in march when they plan these things that such will be their generosity that the yes. customer will receive baubles and riches beyond their dreams and um, also that brands don't seem capable of realising that bunging a few stickers into an $800 cardboard box is going to lead, you know, it's going to lead to negative comment, isn't it? This, I mean, <laughs> it puts, to, to, for me, it puts the um, eight quid Lindor chocolate calendars I send to members to my family, of my family, into, into a, into a <laughs> well, different That's very sweet that you do that, though. I'm delighted that uh, you do that. Well I've, done. I've been doing this since they were all very young and I can't stop the tradition. <laughs> you can't so, get out of it. Yeah. No, yeah, they still assume the youngest is is in her mid twenties now. <laughs> so, so what is what is your view? Do you have an advent calendar? What is your view on adults engaging in advent calendars, and not well, just overgrown children engaging in advent calendars, but but I adults? I send them to um, my niece, my sister, mm. who's in her fifties, mm. my partner, who's in her fifties. Oh, that's, um, that's the, I mean, daughter, I'm delighted by 20s, this. Yeah. Despite um, everything we hear on this podcast, you're a very nice man, aren't you? Really. <laughs> Do you know what? Thank you. It's a it's all it's a great change when i was young there was no mm. trinkets in advent calendars no. you, pushed, you pushed the little window and there was a picture of a candle or an angel yes and and then the largest window on the 24th depicted the scene around the yeah, manger the but scene, there were yeah. no chocolates or mm. chanel stickers 
I mean, no scam though, I suppose. Well, I think I think within the last decade, because when I was growing up, uh, it, it was a mix. Some, I mean, as I got a bit older, we would always have a chocolate one, and the chocolate in chocolate advent calendars always tastes off. What do they do to it? I don't understand. I've never tasted anything mm. before or since like the chocolate in an advent calendar. But it seems like the last within the last decade, I think there's been this explosion in weird advent calendars some of them are actually all right i viewers of my social media will note that this year i have a jam advent calendar (laughs) which is wilkinson's son and you get you know those little travel pots of jam that you get when you go to hotels well you get one of those every day and so you get 24 of those and the advent calendar cost me 24.99 and do you know what i think that's not too bad really i quite like the novelty of not knowing what jam i'm gonna have on my toast each day a beer advent calendars are a huge deal as well there are lots of those and again they might be a little bit more expensive than if you're you know if you just went to Sainsbury's and bought a five pack of six pack of Stella or whatever but you know again I quite like those I I you know it seems like like life is still so relentingly tedious unrelentingly tedious when it comes to what's going on with COVID and goodness knows what else that I'm more I'm more sympathetic than ever to adults wanting to buy into the magic of Christmas a little bit and having a little bit of a you know having a funny advent calendar to some extent if you're gonna if you're gonna indulge yourself by paying 600 you know 600 quid for one you know i'm not saying you deserve a temporary tattoo but you know maybe there are limits on this i'm not sure but um but yeah i i do quite i had a paper chase advent calendar one day and we got different pens and paper clips and stuff each day and that was quite fun and most of those pens still work and that was four years ago so i'm not i'm not anti um I'm not I'm not anti them as such I don't know I, I just think I'm at the point now where you know I think that could be quite a fun thing but equally boo to Chanel frankly and their cynical ripping off of people with temporary tattoos yeah it's it, the, these uh, this this modern age style of paying a fortune for them and then being surprised when they, they've got stickers mm. and temporary tattoos and I mean it, it, it is I think you use the right words cynical it is Pure, it's got nothing to do with the no. Christmas traditions and spirits. It is a pure marketing exercise dreamt up in uh, boardrooms with a whiteboard, um, yeah, you know, exactly. in, in March at Easter and, or something. And, yeah. there, and it's the fact that they're a big firm as well. I would have, mm. I have sympathy with smaller, particularly some of the craft brewers that put together mm. advent calendars. Smaller enterprises, you think, actually, I get that you've probably had a really rough year and you're probably going to have another really rough year. And that you need some sort of gimmick to try and to try and sort of keep yourselves going. I'm okay with that with smaller companies, but when it's big people like Chanel, I genuinely cannot believe that Chanel want for money at the moment. So, so that that is that that's the, the aspect of cynicism about it. I think coming right up, it's a rich period for new releases from Heritage Acts. Three. More <laughs> Anyone would think we... there is a major holiday coming up. <laughs> I mean, you know, what, what, what could possibly be driving this, Terence? That's next after Royal Otis.
time of year as as a, a, a way of catching up on the music I should have been listening to throughout the year because we're at that stage where every magazine every website that's involved with music publishes their best of lists um, each year for, for the entire year so I listen to all of for example with this year I listen to all of 2021's greatest albums in November and December usually because I just don't seem to be able to get to them <laughs> during the year I get distracted and then I go oh, yeah this is what I should have been listening to this year we talked about wet leg last week and how much I've enjoyed them and dry cleaning as well and um, this is something that was introduced to me on one of iTunes Apple Music's best of yearly best of lists and I really really like this I wasn't really very familiar with them I regret to inform you that they can't spell royal but that was royal otis and we're spelling royal r-o-y-e-l otis as in otis the aardvark people of a certain age will remember in this country I think and uh, that was weight and I really like that I love its kind of vibe what a great track. It's completely mm. new to me, but immediately a winner. Really like mm. that. Uh, I suppose linked to, as you say, the expectations of the Christmas market, but this is a golden month or two for new releases mm. from Heritage Acts. Yes. I'm sure of the. Uh, I'm sure each of them hates that term, Heritage Acts, but if anyone yes. can think of a better description, I will use it. Yeah. Um, it's. I mean, it's, it's better than just you know you've been at this for decades, <laughs> lads, isn't it? Which is essentially what the what the truth is. Last week we checked new albums from David Bowie, Elvis mm. Costello, and Paul Weller. This week three more, but very different albums. And I wonder if Juliet will agree with me, as I found one of them very good, mm. one of them I love, and one is meh. Okay. Um, yep. <laughs> let's start with neil young who since his first few solo albums often finds his best work in subsequent years when he links up with his band crazy horse mm. um currently consists of superb trio long-standing uh billy talbot and ralph molina and now nils lofgren as well mm. uh recorded at the wonderfully named studio in the clouds in the Rocky yes Mount. i love that yeah that's mm. lovely this week neil young and crazy horse released their 14th neil young's 41st studio album <laughs> here's a short clip in the honkers flying low above the waves that's the reason this song is sung song of the seasons coming through me now like the wind in your hair we're so together George, you've had a listen to Neil Young and Crazy Horse and the new album, Barn. Yes, I have. Now, I'm a huge Neil Young fan. So when, when we you told me we were listening to these three records, this was the one that I was probably always going to like the most because I like Neil Young the most of the three acts that we are listening yeah. to. I'm a genuine fan of him. I enjoyed this. I mean, it's a little bit Paul McCartney syndrome in that his voice is old in places. Mm. You can hear it fade. Not... 
I wouldn't want to say failing, but it's it. You know, he does. Uh, he struggles at parts. He really yes, does. Yes, unsurprisingly, he does not sing like a twenty-five-year-old. Having said that, I thought the band were great, and I thought that they found ways of working with it that made sense to me. I always enjoy Neil Young's music. I enjoy his lyrics. I enjoy his outlook on life, I suppose, really, of all artists. I always find Neil Young to be very wise, and he always seems to put things in a way that speak to me. I enjoyed this record. I thought it got better as it went along, actually. So when it first, maybe I just wasn't used to Neil Young sounding old. I don't know. But when it started, I was a little bit kind of hesitant about it but then once it got once I sort of got into it and got into it with Crazy Horse I thought They Might Be Lost was lovely actually and I thought that there were some songs which although I've only listened to this once uh, there are some songs like that that I felt well I'll probably will end up listening to these as much as I listen to some of Neil Young's other work I'm not going to say it's his greatest album ever because it very clearly isn't but having said that I thought it was a well-made record I thought the band played very well I, I don't know how many more records Neil Young can make realistically um, on this evidence. Having said that, I am glad he made it because I just really like Neil Young. So maybe I'm not being as objective as I otherwise would be if it was someone else because I just really love Neil Young. But I enjoyed this. I thought it was I thought it was worth listening to and I would listen to it again. I really liked it. Um, the, uh, Crazy Horse, Talbot, Molina, Lofgren, they seem to bring the best out of Neil Young, as I you do, say. do, yes. Um, Having sold his back catalogue for $150 million uh, last year, he only needs to work for his own enjoyment. Yes, now, exactly. I particularly like the guitar sound and the type production uh, of these songs. And um, I, 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 I agree with you that... Um, the the bands the bands sound sound great and this uh it's it's a good album but you know yeah, as you say it's not going to be in his top five of all time really good album Neil Young Crazy Horse mm. and Barn um, although Deep Purple have gone through personnel changes over the years they still always seem to return to the core uh, three people Roger Glover on bass Ian Pace on drums and Ian Gillan on vocals. Mm. In the most popular years, everyone seemed to own a copy of Deep Purple in rock. But, I mean, it's incredible to think that was over 50 years ago. I can't believe yeah. that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, amazingly, here we are, just released their 22nd studio album, which is composed entirely of covers uh, recorded remotely due to, to COVID. Jules, mm. did you enjoy the journey through these from Arthur Lee's Love to the Yardbirds and Dylan? I'm sorry to say no, I didn't. I couldn't get on with this at all. I really tried. I mean, Deep Purple, one of those bands that I haven't, I don't have much interest in. I wouldn't say that I disliked them. That's not true. I just don't find them very interesting. So I have to say I tried to take that all out of my brain and just approach a Deep Purple covers album with the more enthusiasm than I had in my heart. And I just couldn't get on with this at all. And actually, interestingly, I listened to all of these albums on iTunes and they now put lossless audio in as a default. Yeah. So I decided I listened to it on another platform on Spotify in case it was the way that Apple do their audio that it was. And it turns out it wasn't. I hated the production on this. It was so clean and so clinical. And they were trying to roll out every hoary blues rock cliche whilst <laughs> sounding like it was made in a sort of an immaculate white room. I, I thought this was completely bloodless to me. I mean, I, I feel when people are trying to make a living, I am sorry to kick into something, but it felt it felt bloodless to me. It felt like every cliche being rolled out by people who should have got over this sort of thing about 40 years ago, I think, really. I didn't like the singing particularly. I just... I, I just didn't like it. I, it did nothing for me. And I just I just thought it was just one great, big, long, boring cliche. And I felt like I was indulging somebody kind of trying to be a, still trying to be a young rock star. Really it wasn't for me. I can't see this appealing to anyone other than Deep Purple completists. Mm. I mean, um, the songs are covered very competently, but who needs to hear cover versions of Cream and and, and Bob Seger? The, well, the only... and, I mean, what can you add to the shape of things well, by the Yardbirds that yeah. hasn't it isn't already there? The only positive I took out of it is really the staying power of Glover Gillen. But in yes, particular, true. what what did um, stand out as a positive to me was the amazing drum work of Ian Pace because yes. he's seventy three years old and he had a stroke <laughs> five years ago. Wow! But he bashes that 
kit like a teenager. Well, good for um, him. That's great. And yes, I agree that the drums did keep it a little bit interesting in places. But the album itself, it didn't rock mm. it for me either. Deep Purple, it's called Turning to Crime. Um, Sting has become a bit of a tabloid character in recent years. The you know, The estate in Tuscany and the bodybuilding figure yes. at 70 years old. And so on. <laughs> but it, it is important to recall that his first solo albums after the disbandment of the police were lush affairs and very well received. Mm. His new album, The Bridge, has just been released. He says he wrote these songs, and I'm quoting now, in a year of global pandemic, personal loss, separation, disruption, lockdown, and extraordinary social and political turmoil. So let's hear a short segment from Sting's new album. Where could this smile have come from? It's a muscle that I rarely use. Call the doctor with my symptoms. Should I spend all day in bed? Can you explain what's ailing me? And this is what my doctor said. If it's love, it has no season. If it's love, there is no cure. If it's love, it won't see reason. And of this you can be sure. Jules, have you room in your heart for Sting? I mean, traditionally, no, I don't, is 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 kind of my... And again, I was trying to go into this, dropping all my preconceptions, because mm. I've made no bones about how much I dislike Sting's solo records. Um, I, I find him a bit tedious, I must admit. Not as tedious as I find Bono, to be fair. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I do find him a bit worthy and everything a bit sort of strained. For example, I, I, I'm aware of the fact that he writes great stuff. He's a little bit like Dylan for me, in that they write brilliant stuff. I just prefer it when other people do it so for example I love Eva Cassidy's Fields of Gold I think that is brilliant and the way that she and it's clearly an excellent song I just find it annoying when Sting does it and and, and it, because it always comes with like videos of him by hay bales in black and white and stuff I just find all of that so tedious but I decided to try and go into this with an open mind and there was always going to be a ceiling on my enjoyment of this just because I just don't really like Sting, Sting sort of non-police stuff. Having said that, I did, I did, I could see the value in this album is what I will say. I wouldn't say that I would reach to listen to it again. Having said that, it was very well made. Um, I liked the idea of producing music that was sort of comforting. Some of the arrangements were lovely, actually. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of Sting, Having said that, I, I, you know, I think this this was a well-made record. I don't think it's necessarily up my street. Having said that, I can see that it is good. That that's as much as you're going to get out of me well, on Sting, I'm afraid. But you know, but I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad that he made it. it and I, and I, 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 I very much applaud the idea of making music that's comforting in tough times. I, I'm on board with that as a as a project very much. I absolutely love this album. Mm. It's, a, it's a proper album, a set of songs without any duffers. I felt no filler. If you mm. go back to his first solo albums, The Dream of the Blue Turtles, which I loved at the time, nothing like The Sun, The Soul Cages. I think The Bridge is as immediately likable and listenable as those albums. Some of the songs are moody, but they're not downbeat. Uh, it's, it's a straightforward collection of, of great pop songs with some folk jazz influences throughout as you mentioned yes you're quite right the production is plush mm. and there's an excellent set of musicians involved the most well-known probably being Branford Marsalis I love this album and I've played it a lot this week and I think I'll go on playing it a lot uh, so yeah that's Sting and the Bridge coming next major artists don't want to tour anymore they want <laughs> us to go to them mm. That's right after, well, this will wake you up, Hands Off Gretel. <laughs> I was looking for a place to go, a place to sign my trouble at home.
punk for you uh featuring lauren tate on guitar and vocals from barnsley in yorkshire a single from 2015 hands off gretel and be mine i really love that that is that again much like with the previous record and and you that was completely new to me it wasn't familiar with it and that's exactly the sort of music that they make in labs for me to like i <laughs> i think it's brilliant i thank you for picking that it was great we know that the, the rules for making money in the music industry have turned on their head in the last 20 years or so. There's little profit in selling music, whether physically or, or digitally. Um, the, the profits for the major acts are now made in the live arena where the mm. highest profit, uh, highest profile artists can, can more or less charge what they wish and still sell out arenas. And since Peter Grant and Led Zeppelin changed everything, Artists can now ensure they reap virtually all of the money coming in at live shows. But when you get to the very top of the tree, it seems it becomes a bit of a faff having to drag yourself from city to city, a run of hotels and aeroplanes and limos, massive road crew costs constructing and deconstructing the sound systems, video screens and all the paraphernalia associated with live shows these days. Mm. Pandemics notwithstanding, Travel is relatively cheap for us, the common man and woman. Mm. And why not, if you have a devoted following, do what Adele is doing after Christmas, which is setting up a residency at the Coliseum Theatre at the Caesars Palace Hotel in Las Vegas from January through to April. Now, Jules, regarding the, the logistics of this, you've actually experienced going to see a live show a live act in Vegas. How does it all compare to, say, schlepping your way to the O2 Arena in Greenwich or the Delaware uh, Pavilion on the south coast? Is is this put it on and the people will come the way forward? I wonder if it is. Although having said that, Vegas residences are nothing new. Uh, Britney Spears did one, Celine Dion, Cher, uh, Elton John did, I think, as well. Mm, Lots of these major artists have done this. So Adele is by no means the first. Having said that, she's probably the person you would least expect to do it I think out of that out of that string of people so so I was out in Vegas about a week um and so I was in a situation where lots of my friends it was a friend's wedding and lots of us had come from different places and I was the last person in town on the Saturday evening I was everyone else had gone and so I decided I would go and see a show and I, I had the pleasure of seeing the Beatles Cirque du Soleil show which was just you know literally a once in a lifetime opportunity And what is weird and interesting and quite fun about Vegas is everything is within walking distance of each other. 
Mm, so okay. even if so so all of the hotels are quite near to each other all of the major ones it is very much a sort of a district that you kind of you know that you the strip that you go to and all the hotels are sort of there and so I I can't remember where the Cirque du Soleil show was now but it wasn't in the hotel that I was staying at and what is so strange about Vegas is that the hotels you know have theatres and the hotels are almost like tourist attractions in themselves and that some of them are so lush I mean the Luxor for example had these huge kind of Egyptian themed displays that it is a perfectly reasonable way to spend an afternoon of just walking looking around hotels because they're almost like tourist attractions which sounds odd but mm. odd, like the MGM Grand had lions there I mean like real lions it was it was really strange to go and see these places as if they were tourist attractions there was one hotel that specialized in big screen and sort of big screen sports and I felt briefly like I was in some NASA kind of takeoff area with uh, you know 100 screens showing different football matches wherever I was but um so so I would sort of go and see the show and actually it, it wasn't very different to driving to the Delaware Pavilion and parking in the car park mm. and then and then I suppose it's, it, it felt like going to a local show rather than necessarily going all the way to the O2 or something but it was it was almost like going to a sort of a almost a tourist attraction rather than going to a it was like going to a show in somewhere like the Delaware Pavilion in that there was a gift shop that you could look around that was and particularly for the Beatles Cirque du Soleil show and the, the size of the kind of artists that would do this thing you know they will obviously have a shop it's not the sort of bands that will have a trestle table with three t-shirts and possibly a mug you know they will have a whole you know range product range to you know release you know so so it was a bit like that in that there was a you know there was a big there was a big kind of display outside and a very nice american lady took a picture of me stood in front of the kind of the the poster for it and and there was a, a gift shop and stuff like that and then you kind of went into the so it was like going to a theater rather than necessarily going to you know the bull and gate or even going to a big arena show it was it was it was not really that dissimilar to going to a gig at a theater that is local to you i suppose really so so i guess the difference here is that of course you've got to go to las vegas but i think adele's got the sort of fan base and this is Mm. not this sounds like a snark and i don't mean it to be at all but she's got the sort of fan base who really love her that would say what should we do for our family holiday this year oh tell you what i've always fancied going to vegas why don't we get tickets for adele and then we'll just go Mm. to vegas for a week and that that is a perfectly fun thing to do and i bet that will be that will be really good So, so i think that it's a shrewd move by a typically shrewd move by Adele that that you know she wore she's got enough of a profile in America that Americans would go but also she's got the sort of British fans uh, particularly as sort of family type fans who I think would would just roll it up as part of a holiday and and you know or, or go somewhere else in America and go to Vegas for a day or two which is what a lot of my friends do and you know if I was to go back to Vegas I genuinely really liked Vegas despite how ridiculous it was I thought it was great I wouldn't go back for a week I'd probably go back for a day or two but if I was to happen to go to somewhere in America yeah I'd go and see Adele for a day if I could get tickets why not I think this setting up shop in one venue is particularly understandable in the States. Yes. Um, you know, it's so big. But, it, um, takes miles to, it takes days to get anywhere, doesn't <laughs> exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. And we saw with Paloma Faith recently when we watched mm, her documentary yes. what a terrible effect constant travel can have on the artist and their families. Yes. And with the Adele in Vegas uh, route or route as they say in uh, Vegas, <laughs> um, no doubt she can have her family especially her nine-year-old son nearby yes. I mean it, it it could be argued that it's all a bit much ensuring the comfort of a small coterie when 20,000 people have to travel mm. to the venue every day but you know we do it for sports events we don't yes, expect the exactly. football world cup final to come to us we have <laughs> yes, to go looking, to it <laughs> i mean i'm looking forward to them playing the qualifiers <laughs> at the pilot field in hastings that's going to be great and i mean as for as for vegas as you as you um allude to there are direct flights from everywhere countless hotel rooms and restaurants and cafes in every direction and of course um this is a parallel to what Kate Bush did in 2014, set herself up in Hammersmith Odeon and the world came mm, to her. Exactly. Um, and, it, and it sold out within about 30 seconds, it didn't it? If I remember correctly. Maybe this is the new model for major artists, set up a handful of hubs around the world. Mm. 
and set up in each one for a few weeks, probably every act will put on a better show if they're not skipping from well, hotel exactly. to limo to plane to hotel to soundcheck to hotel to gig. And so, yeah, welcome to the future of live performance, I guess. Well, Exactly, and particularly places like Vegas really suit that because it is a holiday destination, isn't it? Mm. So, so you know, so so when you when we say sort of people dragging themselves out there, I think there are a lot of people that will watch these shows that really want to go to Vegas, and you know, so so and and again, you know, when Cher was playing, I knew a few people that went there because they because you mm. know they 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 wanted a holiday, and why would you not want to see Cher? So so you know, I I think it makes. Whether or not it makes as much sense to, I mean, the Kate Bush shows, I guess, do make sense. Whether it makes as much sense to do it in a, you know, a less holiday destination, I don't know. But, you know, why not? There is a logic to it, isn't there? Look at it. We talked about the at the ABBA hologram, didn't we, in, yeah. in, at Stratford? Yeah. You know, maybe this is the way things are going. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. Thanks very much for listening this week. Lovely to have you along. Yes, thank you as always for being with us for another year. We've done virtually every week. I can't believe we're nearly we're in the middle of December. It's it's nuts, isn't it? But it's been so nice to have this time. It's been it's always a pleasure. You don't have to go to Las Vegas to hear more of Juliet. Well, no. I mean, if you do want to, I'm not going to put you off going to Las Vegas because it is a trip. Having said that, you can listen to me anywhere in the world on the internet. Um, always amuses me. I was on when I was on Barricade Radio. We used to get the stats of who was listening there. Uh, there used to be a lot of people that used to listen in in the Seychelles and in Mauritius. We we had a really <laughs> weird fan base out there, and I still don't understand why. But anyway, um, yeah. So so you can find me seven to nine p.m. Sunday evenings on my Mixer channel, which is mix lr.com forward slash juliet hyphen harris or just search for juliet harris on the site you can also um catch up if you can't listen live there's a little button on my mix of channel page that says show reel if you click that you can find my smooth sailings passim which is sort of yacht rock easy listing that's the sort of thing that i do on on sunday nights at the moment if you dig back through the show reel, as one of my friends was doing this week you can find the saturday socials that i did last year as well and to play us out, Juliet, a track from an album released earlier this year. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I'm belatedly mm. catching up with what has been going on in music this year and enjoying a lot of it, actually, I must say. And this is absolutely no exception. I One of my big finds for this year, particularly when I, I go to work and, and I've been, uh, not we can do that for the minute, but, but mm. when I've been sort of sitting with lots of colleagues around trying to sort of do documents and stuff and getting used to having other people's noise around me again. The BBC Sounds uh, app slash website do these great playlists um, called... Uh, focused beats and ambient focus and they're really good just instrumentals mixed for about an hour and a half or so and I've been sort of battering those playlists they're great and there was one that was playing an instrumental version of this this song and I know that you love instrumentals Terrence, so I know you're very disappointed that, that that I couldn't find the instrumental version anywhere apart from on this mix so so we've played the so I, I have to say when I first heard this this version with vocals on the top I did suddenly get sort of taken aback by somebody speaking over the top of it but anyway i really love sons of kemet there's some very exciting modern jazz coming out of britain within the last few years and sons of kemet are so inventive i'm such a fan of them um their brilliant album that came out this year which is featured high in lots of end of year lists uh called black to the future um examining sort of colonialism and and uh, sort of Af- africa's legacy and that sort of thing it's it's a great record and i absolutely love this and i find that the the the, the, the instrumental of it it does instrument instantly make me feel like i should be drafting a lease because that's usually what I'm doing mm-hmm. when I'm listening to the to, to it. But it's it's got a great a great sound to it. It 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 gives me energy and I think it's great. So this is um this is Sons of Kemet from the album um, Black to the Future and uh, this is for the culture. Oh my god.
looking for the dancehall queen Call Beverly, Chantel and Shireen Open the door now, tell them come in Cause the, the, the office if we call them in Cause the way the body look is like a dancehall dream And she a mash up the dancehall scene See the girl there, you see what we mean Jesus, you see what we mean Listening to a Parish Council production.